Genre. presents Doctor Who The Long Way Round, the weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who one doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Corelli. Today on the show, we'll be discussing Doctor Who The Movie, the eighth doctor's first and unfortunately only on-screen story. Yeah, Technically. I mean, you know, I mean, we technically have, have Night of the Doctor, whatever you want to call that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's yeah. more of a trip than an adventure. <laughs> a real short trip, a real short trip off of a off long, what, what it, or a long trip off a short pier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Physician, heal thyself. <laughs> um, so, so okay. So I have a ton of background information, and this is a hell of a story. So I want to get through this because this is this is kind of amazing. And there's st- some stuff that I didn't know about that. Uh, I don't know if Cass, if you knew about this or not, but I'm excited to get to it because it's really interesting. So, it all started on Scar. With start, it all started. <laughs> <laughs> it all started <laughs> with Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation hit the air in 1987 and was a pretty a big hit for a show that uh, premiered in syndication and it did things on a technical level and did things with science fiction that was really impressing the BBC. And then they'd be like, Oh man, look at what the Americans are doing with star Trek. And then they, they'd go and they'd look at doctor who and they'd be like, Jesus, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, Right off the bat, around when Star Trek The Next Generation started taking off, which was about 88 or so, um, the BBC looked at Doctor Who and was just like, okay, this we need to be done with this. Unless somehow you guys can reinvent the show and make it you know, more of the quality of Star Trek The Next Generation, there's no reason to continue this doing this. None of us even like this show because – you know, everyone working here is kind of from a generation before uh, Doctor Who was a thing. So none of us care. Like all of us were too old when it started and none of us care now. So if it's not getting ratings, we don't care. We don't want the show. And John Nathan Turner, who for a long time was desperate to keep the show on the air, had now been working on the show for 10 years and only had wanted to work on the show for five of those Um, but the problem was that the BBC wanted to reinvent the show. No one had any ideas of how to reinvent the show. And John Nathan Turner didn't know how to reinvent the show that he was already producing. So the BBC just canceled Dr. Who in 1989. And then this guy named Philip Siegel, who was born in 
England <laughs> and uh, was raised on Doctor Who, who moved to America and found out that the BBC had canceled Doctor Who and realized that now was his chance to bring Doctor Who to America. So this Philip Siegel guy uh, <laughs> is in – he he's working for uh, – I think he's working for not Paramount. I forget where – he's working for TV development somewhere, uh, but it, but it's not important. But he's working for somewhere for TV development and he gets in touch with the BBC and he says, I want Doctor Who. And they're like, uh, why? Uh, <laughs> and- and he's just like, well, I really love Doctor Who. Like, I was raised on it, blah, blah, blah. And there's like, okay, um, I mean, we're not, we're not, re- I mean, maybe. And then at the same time, this other company, this movie company called Coast to Coast, uh, they came on board. They heard about what Philip Siegel was doing. And so Coast to Coast was like, hey, if you don't sell Doctor Who to that guy to make a TV show, we'll make a Doctor Who movie. And we'll pay you seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds for the rights. Uh, and oh. they were like, "Oh, you want to make a Doctor Who movie? Oh, that's so glamorous! Like you're America, and like, oh yeah, definitely. Let's let's do that." Can Eric so they Roberts took that deal. <laughs> so they took that deal. Uh, no, we're not anywhere near the Eric Roberts part of this story. This is still like nineteen ninety. Um, oh, and then Peter Siegel. Uh, or Philip Siegel, sorry. Philip Siegel gets a job with Amblin Entertainment. And with while working at Amblin Entertainment, he is following very closely what uh, Coast to Coast is doing with Doctor Who. Mm. So at this point, they are uh, gearing up to make this Doctor Who movie. And they have one of those deals where, like the Roger Corman Fantastic Four deal, they have to make a movie or they're going to lose the rights. Okay, so they decide, all right, let's make a movie. All right, we're going to make we're going to we're going to somebody write a script. Doesn't matter what it is. Write a script. Donald Sutherland is going to play the doctor. (laughs) And the movie, the movie is going to be directed by Leonard Nimoy. What? Yes. Wait, the guy that directed Three Men and a Baby? Yes. (laughs) And 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 directed, you know, like two Star Trek movies. Oh, Um, yeah. So. So Leonard Nimoy was going to direct a Doctor Who movie starring Donald Sutherland as the Doctor. And that's what was going to happen. So Siegel finds out about this and he goes he goes and has a lunch meeting with Leonard Nimoy. And he goes, you know, Leonard, the only reason Coast to Coast is making this movie is so they can keep the rights. They're trying to trick you into making a garbage movie. And Leonard Nimoy was like, really? And so he quit. And so the rights to Doctor Who reverted back to the BBC and then Philip Siegel just slid right in and was like, hey, remember how I wanted to make a series before? Well, now I work for Amblin, which if you remember is Steven Spielberg's company. And so now the BBC are like, oh my God, Steven Spielberg wants to make a Doctor Who movie? This is going to be amazing. So they give him the rights after this whole thing where he meets with some BBC execs at a, at a Sequest. Uh, what is that? What was that show called? Sequest. Yeah. It was like DSV. Yeah. Sequest DSV. They go on a tour of the set and he's like, Oh, I'll do this tour personally. And then he basically corners them and says, give me Dr. Who. Uh, 
Um, and, and like, give me Doctor Who, we'll make a show and we'll make it with Steven Spielberg and everyone will watch it and everyone will love it. And I will get to make a Doctor Who thing. And they're just like, Jesus, man. Okay, fine. So, <laughs> so, so they give him, so they give him the rights to Doctor Who. And at the same time, um, they, this is now 1993. So Steven Spielberg has just come off of Jurassic Park. So he's about as big as he's ever been, right? Which is saying something. Right. And he's making like all of these TV series. You know, he's got Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. He's, so he's got cartoons. He's got te- TV series like Sequest. He's got all of these things that he's doing. And uh, uh, so, so they're like really excited about doing this, this series. However... This other thing happens where it's now the 30th anniversary because it's 1993 and the BBC is like, well, it would be cool to do this thing with you, but it's not coming together as quickly as we want because we want a series, not a movie now. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a 30th anniversary special. It's going to be called Lost in the Dark Dimension and it's going to star Tom Baker as the main doctor and co-star all of the other doctors. So Siegel finds out about this and he's like, ooh, really? Because they want to make a 30th anniversary special to revive sales of the VHS copies of the show. Um, Remind everybody that Doctor Who is a thing that people love and they should go buy VHS copies of all the episodes. So they send Siegel the script for Dark Dimension. And he sends them – he reads the script and then sends them a cease and desist letter. Because he says the script sucked so much that there is no way it was a he he called it an embarrassment. He was like, "It's embarrassing. Like it's worse than the show had ever been." And it was obviously a cash grab that they just wanted to sell, you know, the their their back catalog. So he sent them a cease and desist letter because he was like, "Look, we had a deal." Uh, you can't go make a Doctor Who story without me, and I'm not making this. So they, instead of doing that for the 30th anniversary, they did a Children's in Need, like 15-minute special, and did that. And that was fine, because it wasn't like an actual Doctor Who special. So then uh, Siegel, uh, there's like some problems with like the rights and stuff, and and how they're going to work out a deal between the BBC and Universal, who owns Amblin. So he starts hounding Universal like every day, and he's calling them every day. And he's like, "Have you made the Doctor Who deal yet?" And they're like, "No, I told you yesterday and the day before that this deal isn't happening because we can't come to an agreement on like how we're going to split our costs." And he's like, "Okay, but." Seriously, have you made a deal yet? And so he would just keep nagging them and nagging them and nagging them. Um, And eventually, Amblin and BBC finally came to uh, an agreement on a 50-50 co-production of a series. But it had to be a series. No, There was no question it absolutely had to be a series without a doubt. No movies, no anything else. It had to be an ongoing – they had to be greenlit basically directly to series. So they start making a series Bible while also experimenting with special effects. And they start making CGI. They start updating the Daleks to be CGI transforming spider Daleks. Um, 
And you can find that footage like all over YouTube and everything. It's it, it's insane. It's insane. They, it was literally it'd be like a Dalek, and then it would like open up and turn into like a big spider. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then the series Bible, uh, which was written by Leakley along with the uh, the pilot script, which was going to be a two hour pilot, was written by uh, John John Leakley. And he he created this thing where it was going to be a reboot of the series from the beginning. And this is this is the thing that's really interesting. So the pilot was going to feature a half human doctor seeking his father named Ulysses through various time periods, including contemporary Gallifrey, where uh, a character named Barusa. Do you know who Barusa is? Barusa, I guess he's like the one of the pres- presidents of the Time oh, Lords. Maybe um, he's or, he's uh, he's one of the characters that shows up starting in um, Deadly Assassin. He's like the okay. mentor character on Gallifrey. Okay, so Barusa was going to die in at the beginning of the pilot, and he his his spirit was going to be merged with a TARDIS. Because in this reboot, TARDISes are what happens to Time Lords when they die. Weird. And then the Master was going to become leader of the Time Lords. So, so you know, president of the Time Lords. Which is... President Master? Which, yeah. Which I don't <laughs> have... Well, I imagine... I imagine... I imagine... That's... President Time Lord is what it is in, like, the classic who and everything I, I imagine he would just be called master of the time lords or something it was probably a weird backwards way of them explaining why he's named master the master um is by like oh he's called the master because he's master of the time lords okay mm-hmm. so so the master becomes leader of the time lords and uh and then as the doctor in the pilot travels through time and space searching for his father named ulysses uh, who's missing and I think is supposed to be the rightful leader of the Time Lords. So so Barusa was like friends with his father. His father's missing. Barusa dies, becomes a TARDIS. The doctor travels with Barusa the TARDIS to go find his father so that his father beca- be- can become the rightful leader of the Time Lords. That's what the plot is. And the doctor travels through the Blitz and then ancient Egypt and then he goes to Skaro, where the Daleks are actually being created. And so there's like a genesis of the Daleks thing. So all of this happens in the pilot. And then attached to the pilot was a Bible that included other ideas for episodes, including remakes of episodes that we know and love. For example, so like, okay, so the first story that was in it, um, and I'm just going to go through all of the stories that they came up with. <laughs> Is the Pirates, which is was going to be the Doctor teaming up with Blackbeard. Then the Talons of Wang Chiang, which was going to be set in New York in this what? version. No. Yes. Yes. Uh. And then Earthshock, which was going to be which which was going to be uh, uh featuring the villains the Sibs. Which was going? They were going to take the Cybermen and change them into um, like cyberpunk kind of characters, 
And the reason for this reinvention, at first I was like really upset because I was just like, what? Like just call them Cybermen. Who cares? And then I, then I, they mentioned that the reason that they changed them, they had to change them, was because of the Borg. So oh. because of the Borg, they couldn't just be Cybermen because then everyone would cry foul that they were just ripping off the Borg when in reality Star Trek ripped off the Cybermen. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the John Carter of Mars and everything else paradox. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> totally. So so then they were going to do Horror of Fang Rock. Uh, and then they were going to do the Celestial Toymaker. But in this vi- version, the Toymaker was going to be under the control of the Master, who was going to be like the the season-long like big bad, right? Right. Um, and then an episode called Don't Shoot, I'm the Doctor, which was called a more historically accurate remake of The Gunfighters, which makes me <laughs> laugh. <laughs> and then and then an episode called tomb of the sibs in which the sibs are awoken by the master uh and then the yeti which was a remake of the the abominable snowmen um and was going to feature the dalai lama and sir edmund hillary what yeah and then the ark in space uh and then an episode Another episode just called The Sibs. You can tell that even though they're having to change the Cybermen because of the of the Borg, that doesn't mean that they're not going to try and cash in. Yeah. Uh, so there's another episode called The Sibs, which was a story set on Mars in which the Doctor escapes capture by hiding in a gold mine. <laughs> a gold mine on Mars. <laughs> I don't – I'm pretty sure that's not how that works, but okay. Um a remake of the Sea Devil set in a Louisiana oil rig. What? <laughs> An episode called The Outcasts, in which the Sibs would attack Gallifreyan outcasts. Uh, an episode called The Land of Fear, which was going to be a combination of the Reign of Terror and the Claws of Access. That that and seems then, so like that seems like such a weird combination. <laughs> I know it's super weird. I don't know how that works. It's I, all I can tell you is what it's saying on the thing I'm reading. Yeah. Um. And then this one, this one, I was like, oh, this one makes me pumped. A remake of the Demons set in Salem, Massachusetts. Okay, that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So cool. And then they were going to do a completed version of Shada, the long lost Douglas Adams story, which would have introduced Romana and Professor uh, Cronitis as Romana's uncle. Hmm. Yep. Um, so that was that was the Bible for the original 1990s reboot, the one that was going to be done by Amblin and Universal Television, uh, 50-50 production split with BBC. And then here's what happened. (laughs) Steven Spielberg got the script for the pilot and he read it and he said, this is just Indiana Jones in a blue box. I'm not making this because I've already done Indiana Jones and I'm not going to – I'm not going to water down my brand by making this thing uh, that isn't really part it's it's too close to my brand is like basically what he was saying is like it this version of it is this action action like adventure like you know strapping young like you know 
adventurer guy. Um, mm-hmm. It's very swashbuckling, uh, this version of Doctor Who. And so he was like, I don't want to make this. Um, and But unfortunately, uh, because he said that he didn't want to make it, that meant that Amblin didn't want to make it, which meant that Universal didn't want to make it, which meant that uh, Philip Siegel couldn't make it and couldn't take it anywhere else because it was made in-house at Amblin, so therefore Amblin owned it. So nothing could be done about this version. And and honestly, and this version, as they were making it, they were already casting and they had cast – they had already cast Paul McGann at this point. So Paul McGann was going to be this version of the Doctor at this point. Um, I believe this was at this point around 90 – late 93, early 94, something like that. Then they give it to this other guy uh, who I can't remember what his name is. Uh, but he wrote a script that was sort of a rewrite of the Leakley script – as close enough to being the Leakley script um, with that by, by at the same time, like changing enough things to be like legally sound. Mm-hmm. And so the things that he changed, like in this other version, in the Leakley version, you know, they're in the blitz and they meet Winston Churchill. And then in this version, uh, the doctor has a companion named Lizzie and she has a dog named Winston. <laughs> Aww. A, a pet bulldog named Winston. Uh, so things like that so so they did that script and uh and then this time philip siegel didn't like this script so then they get uh the guy that actually wrote the the story um and he his pitch was i if you want to make a doctor who movie for american audiences then there's only one question that this entire thing should be focused around which is doctor who am i and so they were like, that's a great pitch. Go write that script. So he did and uh, everything was going swimmingly until they got to the third act in which everyone had different notes for how the story should end. And uh, he, by his own admission, was like, look, I was just doing my job. We tried our best. <laughs> this ending is really not. It, it all falls apart. I know it falls apart. I think everyone knows it falls apart, but everyone thought they were right and no one would back down. So I had to do everyone's ideas and then you end up with what we ended up with. He's like, it was, it was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. He's like, but I'm really proud of how the doctor turned out and I'm really proud of the first like two thirds of the movie. And so they did that and then Fox – uh, heard the pitch and the f- guy who was in charge of the TV movies at Fox was was uh, a huge Doctor Who fan and greenlit it without even having the script ready uh, and was like, okay, great. We go into production uh, like in December. Make it happen. So they get it all done and then – the thing that happens in in the uh, in the movie is that you know they made the decision to make it a continuation of the old series instead of being a reboot, and by doing that, they they wrote McCoy into the script as the seventh Doctor. The BBC get the script back, and they're like, "We like all of it except for everything with McCoy in it because McCoy is terrible." We canceled the show what? when he was the Doctor. We canceled the show when he was the doctor. No one wants to be reminded of that terrible version of the show. Get him out of this. And 
So they they were very adamant about keeping him in it. And at first, the way that the story started was actually the doctor didn't regenerate until halfway through the story. And in fact, McCoy was the doctor for halfway through the story. And so like there was this big change halfway through where this you have this mysterious guy that no one knows who he is and then he dies and then regenerates and then even he doesn't know who he is. Right. And so that was the original story of the of, of the of this pilot of this TV movie. Um, and basically BBC was like, OK, we will agree for McCoy to be in it, but he can't have any dialogue. That's so sad. So they cut all of his dialogue and made it so that the second that he walks out of the TARDIS. He gets shot and killed (laughs) before he can really say anything. So he only ends up getting, I think, one line of dialogue, which is like the whatever he's whispering to Grace in the in the operating at the operating table. He says some stuff to uh, to the Asian kid. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, too. But, yeah, he only gets like vague whispers or whatever. And that's it. Um, So uh, that was the agreement. And then the other thing was that Fox had to. Uh, put a mention in the contract that if the TV movie did well, it could work as a backdoor pilot into a new series. Uh, and they agreed to that. Unfortunately, after they finished it, uh, they aired it on May 14th, 1996. And it aired against the Roseanne series finale. So it got screwed um, <laughs> at the time. And, and you have to keep in mind that it's this is 1996. So these numbers sound amazing now, but in 1996 they were kind of garbage numbers. It only got I think 6.2 million view, viewers, which was you know minuscule because shows that were moderate hits got like 10 million views, um, and this only got six. So it uh, it didn't work out. And uh, the show didn't get picked up. And then the saddest part is that two weeks later, it aired in the on the BBC in England, and it did gangbusters. Uh, like it it pulled like really high numbers, like ten and, people, <clears throat> right? Which in England is a lot. Um, so <laughs> that's not true. And I'm sorry to all of our English <laughs> listeners. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it it got a lot. It, it played like gangbusters, and people really liked it. Um, as silly as it was because they remember Doctor Who being silly. So they didn't mind all the silliness, you know. Um, so, you know, it, and, and BBC was fully prepared to, to do a series, but, the, but Fox wasn't. And the agreement was that it was going to be a 50-50 production split because they couldn't afford a show as expensive as Doctor Who on their own at the time. Um. So there you go. So that's the that's the history of what brought us to the TV movie. Um, I would love to go visit the alternate universe and see the Leakly version of the show, uh, just because it sounds fascinating. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm alone in that. Like, but, yeah. I don't know. Some of it is cool, but most of it is like, <laughs> bleh. Like, yeah. No, I mean, you're, I, I don't. I don't want it to exist in our world. I want to visit the alternate universe no, right, where it right. exists, yeah. where I can watch it like a scientist and be like, "Oh, 
<laughs> Take okay. notes, clipboard. <laughs> right, exactly. Push my gl- my glasses up my nose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this uh, universe buries the Flash. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so that's the that's the background of how we got uh, to this joyous occasion, which is Doctor Who the movie. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. All right. Um, so, my friends, it w- it was on the planet Scaro that my old enemy, the Master, was finally put on trial. Can <laughs> we talk about this? Line in cinematic history. <laughs> it's the greatest opening line in cinematic history. Uh, it's. It is the most – it's the line every time Every time the writer in, in the thing I was watching would say, I'm really proud of the, of the first two-thirds, especially the opening. And I'm just like, what? What were you watching? Because right? <laughs> the version I watched opened with, it was on the planet Scarrow where my old enemy, the master, was put on trial. <laughs> it's – I mean <laughs> – Man. Like that in one in one line you set up Scaro, the Daleks, the Master, and whoever the guy talking is. Like <laughs> that's so much exposition in one sentence, it's insane. Oh man. It, it, I, I, like I'm imagining <laughs> I'm imagining like in nineteen ninety-five, like in living rooms across the country, like like patient girlfriends and like their nerdy boyfriends, like watching TV on a Thursday night. And then oh, I was, I was there watching this. And then like, it, aired it began in the because it, it came out the weekend of my birthday. Oh. Um, so me and my dad just like, we're like hanging out on a Saturday night. And he was like, Oh my God, they made a new doctor who thing. We're going to watch it. And I just remember seeing his face just slowly. Oh, <laughs> But, but you know. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. So I was there. So like, so yeah. That that first line. What, what were you gonna say, Nick? Oh no, I was uh, I was just gonna say. I'm like imagining like, uh, like a like girlfriends watching it with like their boyfriends just after that first line, slowly turning to look at like their boyfriend. Like, oh Are god, you kidding? Like, what is <laughs> happening? That's what is what is this? Like I know, I know it's not possible for like sentences to be virgins, but <laughs> oh man! Uh, it reminds me of like the kind of exposition that like Zordon gives in an episode of Power Rangers. Yeah. Like, Zordon, what's wrong? You look sad. It began on the planet Scaro and my old master, the Buzz. Okay. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out that the writer of this wrote the Power Rangers movie. To be totally, I think they came out the same year. Huh. Whoa, that's weird. Yeah, the Power Ranger movie was like '95, so yeah, yeah, about the same year. Um, really close, anyway. Uh, Man, yeah, that's it's crazy that I. Had zero knowledge of 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 this because I was, you know, a human. Yeah. Like I remember being excited about the Power Rangers movie. You know what I mean? Like I remember being aware of that. Yeah. So it's weird that this wasn't even on my my radar. Yeah. My radar being like my my friends. Like I didn't have like the internet, but 
Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why this would be on your radar, honestly. Yeah. You were, you were probably watching the series finale of Roseanne, let's be honest. Yeah, with the rest I, of my family. Right. It ain't here. I was the one with the nerdy dad that was like, we're going to watch Doctor Who. Yeah. So, um, like, on Monday morning, everyone was like, yeah, John Goodman was dead for, like, four seasons. And your dad was like, <laughs> did you guys watch that uh, Doctor Who TV movie? And they're like, Crowley, go jump off of <laughs> <laughs> you know what was what was ultra sad about it is that i remember that when we sat down to watch it because it was the first doctor who thing that he ever had me watch and i remember we were watching it and like right before we watched it he's like you know when you were a kid and they were playing you know doctor who on on pbs and everything i i taped every episode so i have every episode on vhs and when when you love this we can go and we can watch all of those oh um <laughs> and i was really excited and and i see here's the thing when i was 11 when i was watching this i loved this like i thought it was great mm-hmm. um and and it began like this like hard coded thing in my DNA with Doctor Who. Like the magic of Doctor Who began with this TV movie. So I have a yeah. soft spot for it. I it really Paul, do. it Paul began. Yeah, it all Paul began. <laughs> and yeah, so I have a soft spot for this because, you know, I'm eleven years old and there's like, you know, this crazy box where somebody drives a motorcycle in and out of like I mean, it's it's Teen, crazy. Yeah, and like Teen this Heartthrob, guy, Eric Roberts was in it. Yeah, and this guy, <laughs> this this one guy turns into another guy. Like it, like everything about it was so weird and magical, and I'd never mm-hmm. ever seen anything like it before. San so, Francisco. Yeah. So from a certain perspective, uh, I think it worked like Gangbusters. I mean, obviously for some for some audience audiences. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, continue from so all of that discussion brings us back to our first line. So, strap after, in everybody. After this wonderful case study of how not to write the opening line to a movie. Um <laughs> so I guess the master as his last I just, I'm sorry. I'm still laughing about that opening line and I'm just thinking like like I just want like I I want to write other opening lines to movies that are like that. Like, <laughs> like really awkward opening lines. Uh, you know, like... <laughs> the Island of Amity. <laughs> it was on the Island of Amity where the... Jo- <laughs> My old friend Bruce the Shark was put on trial. You're dead, Quint. You're dead. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like the shark gets like sent to the Phantom Zone. It's like put in like that weird like triangle thing. Oh my god! Uh. Uh. Space Jaws. <laughs> yeah, Space Jaws. <laughs> oh man! So I guess as his last request, the master he wants the doctor to take his like. Ashes or whatever back to Gallifrey. His remains. Yeah. Um, His goopy slug remains. Just why? Why? Why are the Daleks putting the master on trial? Like it? it, It's like where's that? Someone. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, it's man, like someone would... had like a grid and then just had like four darts and was just like, okay, so what's this? Oh, the master. And who's he going to be on? Oh, the Daleks. Awesome. And where's it? Ha- Scaro. Cool. I just go. I just imagine the, I just imagine the writer writing that line and then just looking at sitting back in his chair, looking at it and then just going game on. And then just starting to write. He cracks his knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a montage of him just writing furiously into the night. <laughs> oh, to, the, to the theme song of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> I finally meet the bright guy and he's <laughs> an alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh god um, it's so beautiful so yeah the doctor is a glorified hearse and he's taking the master's stuff back to Gallifrey um, and we get some lovely like Dalek voices but it's like it's like the I don't know like the cheap store brand knockoff Dalek voice like eh, they sound like they took heat like they like sucked a balloon <laughs> It's like a bunch of chipmunks just saying exterminate, like yeah, <laughs> which I love. Like, was that I'm imagining the at the trial all of the Daleks wearing like Parliament wigs? <laughs> oh my god, you guys! Matthew Jacobs, the writer of this, after he wrote this, he wrote the Emperor's New Groove. Wow. What? Shut up! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, he wrote the Emperor's New Groove. Oh my god. It was in the country of Peru where the Emperor Cusco. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If I watched that and it opened with a line like that, it would be the most magical thing that's ever happened. Holy moly. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Because Emperor's New yeah. Groove is like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. He also wrote the movie uh, Lassie. <laughs> like, the, like the Lassie movie yeah. and his father uh, was an actor in the gunfighters and brought him to set as a child wow cool yeah it was on the set of the gunfighters that I- <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh wow okay um, anyway Matthew, yeah I'm sorry <laughs> this is gonna be a long episode um so we <laughs> We have the TARDIS flying through space and we get this new theme that I really love. It's kind of like orchestral and there's all these credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see uh, the seventh doctor just chilling out in his TARDIS, which looks like a mix between like a bat cave and a Roman Gothic cathedral. Um, so cool. Honestly, I think my favorite TARDIS. Really? Yeah, I think it's my favorite TARDIS interior because I, I think that it pays off on the promise of what the TARDIS is, which is bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. Like this is a castle on the inside. Yeah. And there's something really like romantic and cool about this. And 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 also, you know, there's also the fact that this was the first TARDIS interior I ever saw. So That's hmm. true. There's that too. Um, but yeah, I have I I love this TARDIS interior. I think it would be really cool if they did something this massive again at some point. 
Yeah. You know, he's got a little, I, little library like sitting area. And... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but it's not like my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's almost too big, but that's just me. Um, so he, we get a bunch of like really, really, really on the nose imagery, like clocks. Isn't he watching or he's reading the time machine? Yeah, right? he's reading the time machine. Um, yeah. He's listening Nick, to what this do you song. Think, what do you think of the TARDIS? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, I, I like that it's like a bachelor pad. It's very comfortable. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've always wanted to see a TARDIS with brick on the interior too. Cause I thought, hmm. I've always thought that would be like weird and like cool to mm-hmm. like, just like, Whoa, that's different. Like I've never seen brick on the inside before. I don't know. Huh. Anyway. Sorry, continue. <laughs> um, so before hanging out in his like sitting area, he uh, puts this box, which presumably has the master's remains in it, into another box, and then he locks that box. Um, so we look at the box again after all of these ticking clocks and whatever, um, and the box starts wiggling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Um, and it wiggles so aggressively that his tea goes flying. Like he has a cup of tea and it just goes flying. Um, and <laughs> wiggles <laughs> aggressively. <laughs> the record player that he's listening to, like the, the, the arm with the needle on it just like snaps off. And I'm just like, what, what is happening? Um, and this, what song is he listening to? I, it's something time related to, right? Yeah. Cause it gets stuck on um, the word time just to oh, yeah. drive it home. Um, <laughs> and the, the gooey, the the ultimate gooey master, like mm. snot master, yeah, snot, snot master. <laughs> it it's Eric <laughs> Eric Roberts is snot master. <laughs> oh my god! Oh. So it it like it slides out of the box and into the console, which. It that like the console breaks, um, and it freaks out, and it's like emergency landing. Um, and McCoy's like, "Oh, that's not good." So he like goes to where the box was, and it's just like, "Oh, all this goo." And then we have the first in a series of like really, really awkward transitions, because um, there's like a shot of him looking at the box, and then all of a sudden there's like a fish head. And like a giant cleaver cuts off the head of a fish. And uh, so we find ourselves um, in San Francisco, 1999 in Chinatown, presumably. Um, God, guys, remember, do you guys remember in 1999, all of those stories about those Asian street gangs in San Francisco? (laughs) Of course. I know, right? (laughs) So many Asian street gangs. (laughs) (laughs) nick's exhausted just thinking about it (laughs) there's so many of them um so we're in chinatown and there's these three guys they like run across the street they're running away from a car 
um, they they hop a fence and just pull out guns casually and shoot at this car. Um, the car drives off and they high five and one of them does like a spin kick into a high five and it's pretty cool. Um, and they're <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) um, And they're congratulating themselves at, you know, shooting at a car. And they're in like this alley. Uh, They're in in this alley and um, a a bunch of other uh, Asian gangsters just pop out from behind boxes. Um, And yeah, this this is a thing that happened. So they're like, uh oh, and because <laughs> Cass, remember when I said they were gonna make remake Talents of Wang Chiang? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like Gangs of New York, but like Asian. How does that even? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god! Oh god! Um, All right. So these rival gangsters, uh, they have, like, submachine guns, so they just, like, start shooting at our, like, trio of dudes. Um, and two of the da- the guys go down, like, really, really quick. Um, and then one guy is, like, trying to crawl behind boxes, and they see him, and then, like, he puts his hands up, like, it's to surrender up against this wall, and... One of the guys is just like, oh, say your prayers, Lee. So I guess this guy's name is Lee um, because because he's Asian. Uh, his name is Lee. Um, and the they're about to shoot him and the TARDIS shows up in front of him. So they're like, oh, this is weird. Well, let's shoot at it. So they shoot at the TARDIS um, and they stop and McCoy gets out of the TARDIS like he opens the door it's like it's like watching like a 60 year old guy like doing his morning routine so he like kind of totters out of his house and like you know <laughs> locks the door and like adjusts Tottery. his hat <laughs> and then he turns around and just gets decimated like he just they just <laughs> open fire on this random guy that just showed up out of this box <laughs> and it's like, it's like- it's like the scene from RoboCop. It's it's so sad. <laughs> they just, I mean, they just blow him away for no reason. Yeah, just you know, just wanting out of a box. Gun, gun violence in San Francisco. Um, Those damn and- Asian street gangs. <laughs> so they, yeah, he he goes down, um, and. They're like, oh, oh, that's not who we meant to shoot, even though you weren't shooting at him when he left. I don't know. Um, so they run, um, and there's like a bunch of sirens. And Lee like comes out of hiding, and he finds McCoy, and he's like, oh, hang in there, buddy. I'll I'll call an ambulance. And the uh, the goo, the master goo, falls out of the TARDIS keyhole and slithers away into the darkness um, as an ambulance shows up. And uh, they're now in the ambulance and Lee puts the uh, like there's a guy that's driving or yeah, there's a guy that's driving and then there's the guy that's in the back Um, and the guy in the back's like, hey, Eric Roberts. 
Yeah. This. Yeah. Oh, Eric Roberts. Um, he's like, hey, kid, you need to fill out this paperwork or else we can't help him. And he's like, OK. So Lee puts his name as John Smith. Ha ha. John, John Smith. Ah. ah. Um, <laughs> and the goo has like tripled in size. So now it's like a snake, I guess. Um, and it's in the ambulance. And it, it uh, this this pains me. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I can't do it. Um, so we're in the hospital, and they like you know run the doctor on a gurney through the like the hospital, and they're just like you know out of the way, out of the way. Um, and they do an X-ray of his chest, and they put it up to the like the the the, the backlight. Um, and one of the texts is like, oh, this guy has two hearts. And everyone's like, no, nah, that's crazy. And she's like, no, nah, it totally does. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Um, and the, uh, meanwhile, the, in the ambulance, the, the snake goo, um, like crawls up the sleeve of a, uh, paramedic jacket, um, and just hangs out there, I guess. Um, so the, uh, the doctors in the hospital are like, oh, this guy's heartbeat is crazy. We should get, like, you know, cardiologist up in here and see what's wrong with him. Um, and they're just like, oh, yeah, who's on call? And they, like, make a joke. Um, and then it cuts to this this woman in this crazy ball gown um, at the opera with, like, the most pretentious <laughs> opera glasses. Single crocodile tear. Yeah, and, like, falling down super, her face. super, super fake, like... It's it's ridiculous. Um, there's a single tear. And she gets a call on her beeper because it's 99 or 96. Um, and she's like, oh, Grace I have to go. Holloway. Yeah. And the guy she's sitting next to is just like, oh, not this. Not this again. Um, so she leaves. Oh, oh, real quick question. Nick. Mm-hmm. Because I know that you watch this show, do you do you realize? Did you realize that Grace Holloway is Ryan's mom from the OC? Oh, who, who's mom? Ryan. Ryan's Ryan's mom. Ryan Atwood's mom. Oh no, I didn't know that. So yeah, Grace Holloway in um, this uh, Doctor TV Doctor Who TV movie. That's uh, Ryan's mom. Which is super distracting anytime I watch the OC, uh, <laughs> because because Cassandra, I don't know if you've ever seen the OC, but like Ryan's mom is like a, a, like a kind of a the California equivalent of like like a white trash alcoholic. So, oh, yeah, wonderful. He's just a really different character from someone crying. And there's a reason that he lives with the cons. Yeah, right. Um, so like she goes, she goes from being like this, you know, pretentious, classy, like opera loving cardiologist to like a white trash alcoholic. Oh my god! Yeah, from Chino. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's all you had. To say. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man. <laughs> so, uh... so yeah. Good times for uh, Grace Holloway. <laughs> I guess hard times. Hard times. <laughs> oh, man. That's that's, <clears throat> that's what happens after the doctor leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, <laughs> future Ryan's mom, I guess. Um, she, uh, she, she leaves the opera and she, there's a shot of her just running down the hall of a hospital, like the hospital barefoot, um, like just with her ball gown, like billowing behind her. And it's actually pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's like super, super dramatic. Um, Mm -hmm. like all of this movie is everything is just like ridiculously (laughs) over the top for, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Personally, I'm not a fan, but we have, you know, whatever. Um, so she, she leaves the opera and she, um, she just decides immediately to operate in her ball gown. So she's like prepping for surgery and like people are like assisting her into her, um, her like scrubs, um, or like her, her emergency, like whatever, like sterile clothes. Um, Mm-hmm. And she she gets a phone call from this guy, and she's just like, "No, I'm sorry, you know, blah blah blah." And like, he hangs up with her. So, whatever, that guy's a loser. Um, <laughs> so she leaves the opera, and she's how dare you save this man's life while right? we're trying to watch the opera? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is about me. Um, <laughs> no wonder she became an alcoholic and moved to China. Oh. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, that was so, Ryan's dad. <laughs> no, she like gets back with him. Oh no. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um. So she apparently just really likes opera because she decides to operate on another human being while listening to opera. Um. And her coworkers are like completely okay with this, I guess. Um. Personally, I'd find it a little distracting. I just watched whatever. the uh, the Will um, Smith movie Concussion, and uh, he uh, he's a surgeon and he listens to uh, to music while operating. Yeah, I think most surgeons listen to music while they operate. It's just I I doubt it's usually opera, right? Like yeah. I don't know any other music. Like I opera has its place, but like not in the operating room. No, I feel like it, I feel like what you would want is to like scale back on the drama yeah. of, of doing surgery. You you'd want it to make it feel like more like oh, this is just my everyday job, no stress here, la da da. Like you, but if you play like it's it's Madame Bofrey, right? Is what she's playing? Is that what they? Uh, Madame say? Butterfly. But Madame Butterfly. Yeah. Um, is that like so? She's playing like this like really dramatic like Madame Butterfly opera and you're just like all right and also not for nothing but she does she really like opera or does she like madam butterfly because i (laughs) i don't know opera but i've heard of madam butterfly um and and i just i don't know (laughs) it seems like like eh, maybe she's just playing the hits i don't know (laughs) the opera equivalent of playing the hits (laughs) Like, in, in that's her, what I call opera. Five. It's like it's like Romeo and Juliet, Carmen, and like the magic flute and song. Yeah. Like, <laughs> one of those one of those operas from Amadeus. Like, <laughs> oh man. Um. So 
I don't know what hospital protocol is, but like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe his heart is just going crazy that it warrants emergency surgery. But like, they their plan is to insert a tiny camera into this guy's heart to look at it and figure out what's wrong with it. And I'm like, okay, sure. I guess that's what doctors do. But um, it doesn't – yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem – logically, I mean, you know, I don't know anything about medical health. But yeah. Logically, it seems like – because th- their problem is that his heart is go- thumping a mile a minute and it's because it's two hearts thumping. So instead of thump, 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 it's going thump, 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 right. thump, 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 thump. And so they're like, oh my god, this guy's going to have a heart attack. If this guy's going to have a heart attack, do you really want to plunge something into his heart? I mean, I just – it just doesn't – it seems like a logical fallacy to me. I, I don't – I don't know. But I didn't go to medical school and it's I don't true. like opera as much as her. So apparently she knows. All right. Something. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so while, while they're uh, – like she has her scalpel and she's like – psyching herself out for this surgery and honestly i don't know about you but when i listen to classical music i like can like want to conduct and i feel like that'd be really dangerous with a scalpel um (laughs) oh god (laughs) um oh this is my best this is my favorite part oh oh god oh god (laughs) oh no suction suction (laughs) (laughs) um uh, but the the doctor, as she's about to like cut him open, the, the doctor wakes up on the operating table and just like babbles, and he's like, "I'm not human." And everyone's like, "Sure, buddy, okay." Um, and it, he keeps like waking up and saying all this random stuff, you know, about the master and time anomaly or whatever. Um, so the they give him more anesthesia and uh. She does the surgery and she's like, oh, this is weird. Uh, Shouldn't I be in this part of the heart? And they're just like, no. And she's like, oh, man, I'm lost. And they're just like, oh, that's not good. So, like, she – I don't know what she's doing, but I guess she gets really flustered and the probe snaps or it breaks. Yeah. Um, And – it breaks like really violently. Like it looks like it stabs him somewhere. So like the doctor goes into cardiac arrest um, and they are trying to bring him back with like the, the electro whatever like paddle things. Um, And it's like really, it's like really visceral and kind of terrifying um, because like, you just have the doctor on this medical table and he's like jolting and he like dies. Um, so she, doc, Dr. Grace, uh, she's like really shaken up about this. So she, um, she looks at the x-rays and she's like, there's two hearts. Like, no wonder I like sucked at this, I guess. Um, and she questions Lee cause he came in with, the doctor and she's like hey do you like this guy died like how well did you know him like did you even know him at all like where's his family um uh and lee's like uh i don't know i'm just gonna take his stuff and he so he (laughs) 
he like grabs the the, the brown paper bag and it it's like a lunch sack it's like a grubby lunch sack so he grabs it um and just runs like he just takes off and um she's like chasing after him but he gets away and then we we catch up with our friend uh eric roberts the paramedic guy um <laughs> who is sleeping at home and apparently he has like some like marital issues because like he snores really loud and his wife's not a fan. Um, and <laughs> like not, she's just like, shut up. Oh my God. But like, it's just like comically loud snoring. Um, was and this before we- uh, sleep apnea was, uh, you know, talked about or <laughs> right? a thing? Maybe. maybe- <laughs> Maybe there was no solution to this, right? Sort of thing. And just like deal with it or get a divorce. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so uh, snake goo comes back to life, um, and now it actually looks like a snake. It's really freaky. It looks like a cobra for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. It's been hibernating in his paramedic jacket. Um, so it it's like you know it's slithering across his apartment, and then we meet like the weirdest autopsy guys ever like they're super like bros they're just like hey bro what's going on man we cut open dead bodies yeah um (laughs) and they're just like oh yeah uh what you going to do tomorrow night for new year's eve and we set up that we are in like december 30th and there's a costume party which is cool i guess Um, i feel like at this at this juncture uh, it cannot be understated who one of those two are, <laughs> because I, I every time I I watch this, I get distracted by Will Sasso because I'm just like, what is he doing in this movie? <laughs> oh, it is Will Sasso. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because I thought I thought that that I thought that that character was one of the better characters in the movie. Yeah, that was that was Will Sasso. So I'm glad that that guy went on to to become successful. Ish. Yeah, I mean, comparatively, I think he was on Mad TV. I think he was on Mad TV at this point. So yeah. he was like, I don't know if he was just in like Fox's stable of actors mm-hmm. or what, but yeah, he got to play a he got to play the most chill more clerk <laughs> like ever. It's. Like I, I feel like he could star in a Kevin Smith movie called Morgue Clerks. Oh God! And it, would, it would be very similar. <laughs> he, would, he would be the Randall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> they like. McCoy's body, they like wheel McCoy bo- McCoy's body into the morgue, and you're just like, okay, sleep tight, little buddy. Like, it's really weird, like, gallows humor. Um, and then we return to Snake Goo, um, and Snake Goo jumps into uh, Eric Roberts' uh, open, snoring mouth while he's sleeping. Um, and it's very gross, and it's very uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, it he stops snoring. Dying. He stopped snoring, so his wife is happy. It's, it's horrible. It's terrible. Like, his whole body goes rigid, and it sounds like he's being, like, muffled in his sleep, and then it's fine. And she's yeah. like, oh, finally, sweet peace. It sounds um, like he's, dr- he's drowning. Yeah. It's 
It's really it's like, like the CGI transparent snake goo just shoving its way down this man's mouth. Um, and then we cut back to the morgue and the loud boisterous one is oh, watching the like old yeah that guy <laughs> he he's watching the old uh black and white frankenstein movie uh mm-hmm. because that's what you do in the morgue um mm-hmm. and then we get <laughs> again things things have to be nailed over the head oh man really hard like yeah. before it was time now it's it's alive <laughs> Like, it's ridiculous. It's it's the weirdest thing. Um, so the doctor is in the freezer and he starts uh, regenerating. Um, I don't know why there's lightning, uh, but there is. Um, and we're cutting back and forth from his like body on the table to the screen, the the Frankenstein movie, um, and then finally like his face like twitches and like morphs in like really bad nineties, like special effects. And then we get our regeneration from uh, McCoy into Paul McGann. Yeah. And uh, so he's, he's so McGann uh, kind of a, he actually kind of looks like, um, kind of like Frankenstein's monster. Cause he's like, kind of like, you know, like he's got like kind of like, like with the long hair and he's sort of clinging to his, um, to his like hospital gown, you know, mm-hmm. he has like a Kenneth Branagh kind of look to him. Very much, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he's, uh, you know, the Will Sasso sees him and like freaks out, and um, and then he and uh, Paul McGann is uh, wandering through like the the ruins of this hospital, <laughs> and uh, he the um, ruins of it, this hospital. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think I think uh, they mentioned that there was a closed ri- uh, wing of the hospital that they were like renovating, and I think that's what he's watching. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the ruins, so, but it, it doesn't. Which <laughs> yeah. is a really funny way of putting it. <laughs> the ancient ruins and, uh, of this modern hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like this Jesus figure like wandering across this post-apocalyptic like hospital thing, like. It's really, yeah. really weird. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, uh, he he gets splashed by some water, <laughs> and um, he's really uh, distraught. And um, eventually, he comes to this uh, wall of mirrors, just like a bunch of mirrors, and he gets a, a fresh look at his uh, at his new face. And it uh, surprisingly, he's not too. He, he freaks him out rather than like calm him down. Where he's like, ah, oh, at least some, you know. That could have been worse. And that uh, <laughs> he uh, falls to his uh, falls to his knees and uh, proclaims to um, whatever God will listen to him. Uh, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> who am I? Yeah, it's it's uh, while flashing back and forth between him and the now up and walking around. Eric Stoltz or Eric Stoltz, <laughs> Eric Roberts, <laughs> Eric Roberts, master. Oh my god! You know what? I'd watched I watched the hell out of an Eric Stoltz master. Um, but uh, yeah, 
have we have we gotten to the have we got has the I always get confused about when the 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 juicy shushing happens. Um, when he when he tells his wife to to shush, but he, but it's like he like smashes his finger against his lips, and it's like. <laughs> I don't know if he was just like if he like poured water all over his lips first, or it was it's it's like it's like a Saint Bernard. It's it's disgusting. Ew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so much saliva. Anyway, um, yeah, Eric, Eric Roberts is the master now uh, as well. It's like dude, it does that weird like lightning flashes like back and forth between Eric Roberts master and Paul McGann doctor while the doctor is shouting, who am I? (laughs) It's the most exact. It's just, it's, it's exasperating acting. Like it's, it's so bad that it's good again, but then exhausting. (laughs) It's just like this is insane. Who told you to do this? <laughs> oh, oh my god! Wow. Anyway, so the next morning, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, well, I mean, yeah. The master uh, murders is he strangles his wife off screen, yeah. and uh, the then, um, yeah. And uh, the next morning, the hospital is. Uh, Kind of, you know, there's a there's a hubbub over this uh, this corpse that got up and walked away. Uh, Will Sasso uh, has a has a scene with Grace Holloway. She's like, "It was a different guy," and she's like, "You're dumb." And uh, meanwhile, I mean, after after that, uh, the uh, Doctor Grace Holloway is brought in by uh, her boss, and the boss is like, "Hey, you're you're fired. <laughs> you messed up." And uh, there was like people watching. I don't know if it was like the board or you know what movie. You know the who important people were watching, and like you, you murdered Sylvester McCoy on the table. Yeah, it was and, one of those um, like um, one of those like operating theaters. Yeah, the operating theaters, like the like the yeah. one from that Seinfeld episode where they drop the junior mints inside the person. Yeah, yeah, the Nick. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so uh, you know, clear out your stuff, and Grace Holloway puts all of her stuff in a box, and. Um, while uh, going to her car to leave, she is uh, uh, accosted by Paul McGann, who is still very uh, confused. And but what he oh, and then he he snuck into uh, so earlier one of the um, the coroners uh, referenced that for the New Year's Eve costume party, uh, he was going to dress as Wild Bill Hook, uh, Hickok, and uh, so uh, Paul McGann. Um, steals uh his wild bill costume and it becomes the iconic eighth doctor costume that we're all familiar with and so uh flash forward uh the doctor is in the parking garage and he's like who are you who are you i remember you help me help me and she's like get away get away get away <laughs> and uh the doctor sneaks into grace holloway's car and was like you have to help me and then he pulls this uh wire out of his uh like chest Mm -hmm. and that is uh that's kind of what convinces uh dr grace holloway that uh this is in fact the man that that she uh that she accidentally killed killed on the operating table you know i gotta uh, say for all of the mm -hmm. unsubtle things that this movie does 
that is a very clean and interesting way to prove that this guy is the same guy that she killed on the operating table. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that. Like, yeah. you know, he, she broke that camera inside his chest attached to that wire and then he pulls mm-hmm. it out of his chest. Like that's, 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 that's a, that's a really solid way of doing that. I think, I don't know. Yeah. For a weird problem. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of a one of a kind screenwriting problem. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Robert McKee never taught like when you have to prove that the body is a, <laughs> is a new person. Uh, and so, uh, so they, they drive to, um, so they, they go to, they go to Grace's house, right? Mm-hmm. First, yeah, yeah, they go to Grace's house, and he's like, "I'm, I don't know who I am, but I'm, I remember, I remember Gallif- Gallifrey," and she's like, "Well, he's cute, so I'll, I'll listen to him some more." Well, uh, before, uh, real quick before, before, <laughs> I just have to mention before they go to her house. The reason that he gets her to drive away is because he doesn't want the hospital staff to kill him again. Aww. Yeah. He's just he's like, like kill they're me. crazy in there. They're going to kill me again. Yeah. It's, and it's pretty great. And also, yeah. uh, Bruce, uh, the master, visits the hospital dressed as the, T, the, the T-800. the um, <laughs> Yeah. He's like cosplaying as the and, Terminator, and uh, he like pulls his fingernail off in front of the uh, the the orderly. Yeah. and uh, there's a part where uh, he's like, "Hey, where did um, like where's 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 the guy?" I'm like, "He's dead, bros." He's like, "I know that." And where's where's his stuff? And he's like, "Oh, the uh, that boy had it, the one that brought him in the ambulance." And he was like, "Oh, the Asian boy." <laughs> and the girl, the woman says, "Asian, Bruce, you're sick." And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> it's kind of just like, I mean, that's his nationality. It wasn't really like a remark or anything. Uh, so the doctor, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that is a sick thing to say that someone's Asian. I think uh, at the time, so- I think at the time people were associating, like, I think they were wanting you to get like the exact country correct. Um, uh, okay. So they wanted to Instead say like saying, Chinese or whatever. Yeah. Um, the Orient. Right, right. Aww. So, like saying saying the Asian was like was like synonymous with being like the Oriental. Like, uh, okay, yeah. Gotcha. I think at the time, like as far as like nineteen ninety six political correctness was concerned. Sure. It's nice that that's what was considered rude back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, there's um, there's a scene where Paul McGann is like kind of following Grace through uh, like the, this park. And she's like, well, what do you remember? And he's like, I remember I was lying on the grass of Gallifrey. I remember Gallifrey. I was lying on the grass. And and kind of, and at this point, it was really, you know, clear to me that, um, you know, that he, and Paul McGann is definitely probably ar- arguably one of the most uh, unlucky doctors because, you know, he's really good. And I, I, I could really imagine watching like a season of him, you know, oh, yeah. he's sort of, he has like the, he's like as handsome as 10 but he's like as noble as nine, but he also has like really cool, playful moments of like 11. Uh-huh. Uh, like there's this really cool moment where like he's, he starts jumping up and down and uh, Grace is like, what is it? And he's like, these shoes, they fit so perfectly. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eight, yeah, eight no, is he, for my money, like 
I talk about, you know, like, oh, I, I love every Doctor kind of equally. But, like, I, I think for me, the Eighth Doctor is, like, the ultimate Doctor. Like, he has everything you could possibly want in one mm-hmm. guy. Like, he's he's just, like, every, every characteristic you want. Like, you want the silliness? He does the silliness. You want the nobility? He does that, too. Um you want your doctor to be a little sexy? Well, he's got that going for him as well. So, like, he he's just kind of the whole package. Uh, yes. Which is makes it extremely unfortunate that, yeah, he just has the TV movie. Yeah. Although, I thankfully, really... we'll hear tons of audio adventures with him, and you'll see just how good of a doctor he is. Yeah. And it sort of speaks to his, you know, he, he makes such a strong stamp on the role that, you know, I think I, I mean his performances. I think single-handedly, the reason that this movie isn't like completely excommunicated from the canon. Yes, you know mm-hmm. why it, why it, why it can't be swept under the rug as like this weird, you know, the the Doctor Who equivalent of like the Star Wars holiday special. You know, <laughs> well, you it's, know, what's funny though is that for a long time it kind of was like until until uh, I I I forget. Which story it was. I want to say, was it Human Nature, Cassandra? It was Human Nature, right? That was the episode that made this canon. Um, because I, that was the first time in New Who that they referenced the Eighth Doctor with an image of Paul McGann, oh, I think. I don't remember. It's been a Because really he drew him in his little notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that was As, the first time, uh, and that was like season three. So yeah. it was so there was there was a solid. I remember watching the first two seasons of that show and getting a little anxious about the idea that no one really knew whether this movie was canon or not because they were they were calling Eccleston. They called Eccleston nine and they called ten at ten, but they never referenced eight at all. You know, because nine just kind of came through the door swinging. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there were there was a time where no one really knew one but way or the what, other. When did um when did Big Finish start doing their stuff? Was it before the series came back? Yeah, they started doing their stuff. I think in like two thousand one, two thousand two, oh, okay. something like so, that. So I yeah. mean, like I guess it was canon there, but yes, right, but. Big Finish wasn't made canon until Night of the Doctor. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I when we get really when we really deep dive into like Doctor Who mythology and Nick just gets quiet, I feel really Aww. guilty. Said, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, that's no, fine. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> no, no, and so, um. It sounds like I'm fast forwarding, but I'm actually not. So like, you know, they're on the, and so doctor has this kind of euphoric discovery where he's like, I think I remember, I don't remember exactly who I am, but I'm definitely like me again. Mm -hmm. You know, he has like, and then he responds by like beginning to uh, snog Holloway and, uh, in her first, uh, random like break of whatever character she is, uh, goes along with it. And she's she's into it. I mean, you know, that kiss is not for. I mean, too, because it's the first time the doctor has ever uh, kissed anyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, to quote Eleven, it does start to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, speaking of uh, special friendships, uh, the master 
um, catches up with uh, <laughs> people in the people in the call him Tino, uh, like from Ninja Turtles two. <laughs> oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> oh, Lee, Lee and the Master. Like, I just I want one of those inspirational like black border posters that's just a picture of Chang yeah. Lee and the Master, and it just says below it, "Special friend." Oh no. <laughs> I really want. I really want to make a a, a meme where it's um, him in like the T one hundred outfit, and then him in like the full on master outfit, and then like find a man who can do both. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to see both of those so bad. Get on it. Get on it, listeners. Oh, beautiful. Uh, so, um, so the master catches up with Lee, and he's like, "Hey, bro." Um, uh, I remember me and it's Bruce. And he's like, I guess, yeah, you're in, you're in the ambulance. And he's like, listen, uh, I, I need your help. I'm actually an alien called the master. And he's like, go on. And he's like, so <laughs> there's this guy who's, who sucks. And he's called the doctor and he stole my, my, my TARDIS. And like, he, he's a bad guy. And I need you to help me uh, stop him from doing the, the, the plot. And uh, Lee's like, well, what's in it for me? And Eric's like, um, well, what's your, what's your like wildest dream? And he's like, one million, two million, nickel and dime. And he's like, what if I gave you like so much money? They're like, so like a stupid amount of money. Like, what would you do with it? And Lee's like, power. She's like, he's like, yeah, you're speaking my language. He's like, you sound like a protagonist. And he's like, yeah, I know. Let's go. And so, um, meanwhile, uh, the something happens. <laughs> And uh, the doctor uh, realizes that the master is back. Are they already? Are they already looking in the eye at this point? Like the eye of whatever, the eye of humanity, eye of harmony. Yeah, the eye of harmony. Um. No. Well, yeah. I think. I think. Uh, are they? I don't. I'm trying to like look at my notes. Well, eventually it happens, and uh, the doctor is... Oh, yeah, because you need a human uh, eye to look into the Eye of Harmony, so the Master's using Lee to look into the Eye of Harmony, and the doctor yes. uh, can't... The doctor is, like... He, like, kind of becomes, like, psychically aware that the eye is open, or whatever. Yeah, they kind of have, like, a... Yeah, and he's, like, he deduces that the one activating the eye is the Master, mm-hmm. and, um, and the, master, the Doctor freaks out. And also the Master realizes that if the Eye of Harmony can only be opened by a human, then the Doctor must be half-human. Yes. Yeah. Naturally. Uh, Naturally. Yeah. Canon. No. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> uh, and so... Um, so the Doctor's like, oh, no, no. the Master. No. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Doesn't even entertain the idea. Shut it down. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Does that come up in the? Because like he, they, I remember they bring up him being half human in New Who. I think they've they've referenced the idea before, but they've never mm-hmm. he's never come out and said it the way that he does in this uh, in this movie. Uh, and sure. in it's not like Vin Diesel in that regard. Yeah, and in other, in another, uh, like in comics and things, like he has referenced the fact that, um, like uh, the Titan Titan comics just did an Eighth Doctor like miniseries that was really really good, and oh. 
in that he references because he like hooks up with um grace for a second like grace goes on an adventure with him again Hmm. and she was like she's mentioned something about him being half human and he was just like oh you believe that no (laughs) yeah he just he's like oh no 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 i needed him to believe that and i you you i needed you to believe it so that he would believe it it was a whole thing don't worry about it i'm not any human i lie a lot i lie a lot to women right (laughs) Yeah. And so the doctor starts freaking out and um uh, and then Grace Holloway's like, I don't like you anymore. Bye. And she like runs to her house and like locks the door and she's like, Grace. I'll be honest, when you said that, I pictured her running away in the dress again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in slow in slow motion. Her, right, like, uh, they're, yeah, and then just running. Yeah, they're Cinderella the Yeah. <laughs> and um <laughs> So he's so she's like, I'll call an ambulance, and the doctor's like, Grace, look at what I'm doing to this window. Grace, look, it's the master, and he like puts his hand through the window, and it's like the molec- the molecular whatever. Grace, look, atomic clock, Grace, and she's like, Yeah, bring two beds, and so she calls an ambulance, and uh, the master's like, I got one of those. Come on, Lee, and so he drives the ambulance to Grace's house, um, and. <laughs> Gonna tr- okay, and so they get there. The ambulance gets there, and the doctor sees on the news that like they're unveiling like an atomic clock at this um, gala event at this museum. And Grace is like, "I'm on the board of trustees," and he's like, "Cool." So are you are- okay? And so the uh, so the ambulance gets there, and he's like, "I want to like drive us to the clock," and the master's like, "Okay." And she's like, I'm on the board of trustees. And he's like, okay. And so like they're driving like it's a cab now to the uh, (laughs) museum. And uh, so the doctor is talking to the master, like explain, you know, like he's just a dude, but it's like, hey, you know, we have to get to this clock on time. And she's like, yes, yeah, we have to get to, he's crazy, (laughs) but we made out, but now I don't like him anymore, but he's crazy. And, um, and uh, they start, they do some banter and uh, there's this really funny line. I can't remember it now, but like the master corrects her grammar. And uh, I like laughed out loud. That was like, <laughs> that, was, that was actually really funny. Um, it was just so like, a non- it was just such a, non- and this is kind of when the movie sort of hit a high point for me because I actually kind of really liked the, the, I think, you know, Eric Roberts for all of his, um, you know, his Eric Robertness. Uh, he, he really is bringing like a sense of fun villainy to this role. And, you know, McGann's really feeding off of that. And, you know, it's like, okay, this is, this is cool. And so uh, then uh, the, like the doctor sees the master's like gross, like fat, um, like lizard eyes. And he's like, Oh, and I, he um, like spits venom on Grace's arm mm-hmm. And so then the doctor responds as any of us would by grabbing a fire hydrant and like emptying it onto. Um, oh, this is my Bruce. this is my favorite part. Yeah, this is my. Favorite. And so then, and so then Eric uh, starts like convulsing like Wicked Witch of the West style, and my man starts going like, "Get it off me! Get it off me! Get it off me! Get it off me! Get it off me!" <laughs> and he's like, "What's is going on back there?" And like, I 
It sounded like he was saying, get it off me. I thought, I've never understood what he was saying. It just sounded like he randomly started talking in tongues. Like, it just, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like he yeah. sprayed him with the fire extinguisher and then he's just going, get it off me. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Like, he just turns in, yeah. He turns into like the, the preacher from Justified. Oh my God. And I heard get it off me, but I, I, who knows? That's like a Rorschach. It's like a verbal Rorschach test. It's like, all right, I want you to listen to Eric Roberts and hear what you say. I heard uh, my mother's voice. And so, uh, And so they pull over the ambulance. Oh, they hit, uh, they hit like traffic. Like there was like a wreck or something. And so like the highway stopped up. <laughs> and so they pull over and the doctor and Grace, like, let's get, let's get out of here. And so they get out of there and, uh, they run up to a cop and, um, he's like, Hey, would you like, uh, would you like a jelly baby? And I was like, Oh, that's fun. And the cop's like, what's a, Where did those <laughs> what's a jelly from? baby? <laughs> Yeah, he pulled him out of like his coat, which he's never. So presumably, uh, that or that coroner had jelly babies in his pocket, uh, oh. which is which is a fun little, yeah, I guess. Um, and so he's like, "You mean jelly bean?" And he's like, "No, jelly baby. You want a jelly baby?" And he's like, "What's a jelly baby?" And Grace is like, "He's he's he's British." And the doctor's like, uh, "Yeah, I guess I kind I guess I kind of am." Okay, hey, I took your gun, and if you don't give me your bike, I'm gonna shoot myself. And the cop's <laughs> like, "This took a turn." <laughs> uh, you're just offering me candy. And uh and then uh so the doctor's like, I'll I'll shoot me, I'll shoot me if you don't give me this, you don't give me the bike. And then he's like, No. And then uh Grace takes the gun and shoots the bike and says, Give us the bike that I just shot. <laughs> and he's like, Well, yeah, now you can take it. You just shot it. I don't want it. And so he's like, fine, let's go. And so they ride the motorcycle off. And the cop's like, that was single-handedly the weirdest thing that ever happened to me on the force. And then, so meanwhile, <laughs> they've gotten all of the weird, like, uh, fire hydrant foam off of uh, the master. And he's like, why? Why? what's going on? And Lee's like, there's a lot of traffic. And he's like, what kind of car is this? And he's like, oh, right. And so they... Uh, they like mount the curb and like they, you know, they're, they're in hot pursuit. And, um, then, uh, they're, you know, they get a fun little motorcycle, not really a chase, but just a motorcycle ride kind of. And, um, the doctor says my, um, I mean, the Grace Holloway says my favorite line in the movie, which is I finally meet the right guy and he's an alien. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) let's unpack that for a second. (laughs) So like. That's the only line in the scene. There's like no banter. There's no, he doesn't say any, he doesn't like, you have wonderful hair, Grace, or like, you're, you're such a good doctor, Grace. They're just not saying, imagine like if you're like walking down the street and just like a person you're on like a first date with is like, you're finally meet the perfect guy and he's Hispanic. And I was like, hey, right, right guy. Like, the and, and this is kind of my problem. With I think Grace Holloway might be the worst companion that I've seen so far in this in this sojourn that we've been going on. Because uh-huh. uh, she's I mean I, she's kind of like the she's kind of like the Willy of Doctor Companions I think you know yeah well where I, though I will say I have 
for me, I have a rule that he has – in order to be a companion – Oh, the TARDIS rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah In yeah. order to be a companion, you have to be someone who has been invited to be a companion by the Doctor and be – Which happens. And travel in the TARDIS for more than one adventure. Yeah. Okay, so she's one, she's one for two. Right. She's sort of like she's sort of like in the Craig pool of like sort of companions, but not really right. familiars. He's like she's like, like a familiar. Nice, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's sort of like in the same school of like you know the the why are they here brigade and and Craig and right uh, exactly Eggsy. No, well not Eggsy. What was his name? We always call him Eggsy. Um, but well, some, I either want to call him Eggsy or Moses. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Neither one of those is right. I forget his <laughs> name. <laughs> but he but he's been in the TARDIS right at this point. I don't think so i don't know that's weird for two adventures to not be um anyway he should be so they so i don't know i just i don't like grace because you know even even companions that you know aren't too aren't aren't too cool or heroic or badass you know at least they're i don't know they have kind of an independent and i kind of i don't like that the american version of a companion is very much like a like and she starts off kind of cool where it's like oh she's a doctor and they kind of play with that where it's like doctor 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 oh doctor but <laughs> I don't know she she was like flip flip like you know he's crazy I want to make out with him I want to make out with him he's crazy um, and so I think, but I will they, say I I don't yeah. really blame the movie for that I kind of just blame the nineties because that was like that was a general mm-hmm. problem with because she's not any more offensive as a character than say like jennifer aniston on friends oh yeah yeah and i guess that's the bummer is like oh it sucks that this, you know because when i think of like an american doctor companion i'm like well why isn't it like dana scully yeah. you know like <laughs> yeah totally um yeah but anyway but that that's whatever and so they I mean that, that's all one so they go they get to the museum and she's like i'm on the board of trustees and the doctor's <laughs> like you keep that hasn't helped <laughs> like what is it also, I, wait, I don't wait, wait, wait. We didn't finish unpacking that line. Hold on, because <laughs> oh yeah, yeah because yeah. I I want to unpack the fact that she says I finally re- meet the right man and he's the only. So, what what part of the situation that you find yourself in in this moment <laughs> makes you think that you finally found the right man? <laughs> because like what he just threatened to shoot himself <laughs> to a cop. And then made you steal his bike. <laughs> and, like, and now, you that, now that, you're riding away on the bike together and you say, yeah. I finally found the right man and he's an alien. Him being an alien is the the lowest of his problems. <laughs> and like you spent of the time of the of the of like the I guess like six hours, I guess, total that she spent with him as of yet. Um, she spent a good like forty percent of that fearing for her life and safety. Yeah, like thinking that he was like a like a manic schizophrenic, like that would like eat her. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then like twenty percent of that time was making out. Right. And you know, and like you know, and McGann's charm goes a long way. Like you really feel like this is a, you know, and and I, I guess they have okay chemistry, you know. But um, anyway, so they get to the museum and. Or wherever it is, the observatory or whatever the hell, and um, she's like, "Ooh, champagne!" She's like, "We're nope, we're on the clock. <laughs> focus up, focus up." And um, they, there's some banter where he's like, they meet like this like kind of snooty museum guy, and 
she he's like, uh, oh, well, you what's wrong? He's like, well, I'm human on my mother's side, and he's like, oh, you slay me, and he's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, they Professor find Wag. their Professor Wag. That's a cool name. <laughs> Uh, and so they're they're stopped by like a an intern or like a like a like a, a guy a guy that works at the museum, and he's like, "You're not supposed to be back here." And he's like, "Would you like a jelly baby?" And he's like, "A jelly bean?" And he's like, "You got cheese? No, look, just eat it." <laughs> he's like, "Oh," and um, answer number question. Don't answer number question number two on the midterm. Answer number three. And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "No, like you're gonna try and answer number two, but num- that's too hard. Just answer number three. And he's like, oh, okay, that weirdly makes sense to me. Bye, Paul McGann. Paul McGann's like, goodbye. And uh, she's like, what was that about, doctor? And he's like, oh, he's going to be the He's going to earthquakes. And uh, they... <laughs> that that moment is really weird because... Well, it, it is weird because the doctor is never, and never does again, really kind of like mess with people's futures so flippantly. He I mean... I mean yeah, if he, if he meets like Edgar Allan Poe, he might be like, "Oh, careful of those, uh, you know, ca- careful of those ravens." But he just knows this guy's life like immediately. Yeah, he's like Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. this thing is like, "Oh, I know what you did," and uh, so and so they suddenly, suddenly I got I got visions of of Paul McGann as the Doctor starring, and I know what you did last summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't. I know what you did last summer. You're going to want to not tell anyone about the body. Don't do that. <laughs> tell someone that you hit that man. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to kill Freddy, all your friends you otherwise. <laughs> Freddy, you and Sarah will be it's gonna seem the like, love of each other's life. It's going to seem like you can get away with it. You can't get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> there will be two Scooby-Doo movies <laughs> the second one. Monsters will be unleashed. <laughs> Scrappy Doo is the villain, <laughs> and then don't trust him. And then at CinemaCon, they'll announce that they're rebooting the Scooby Doo franchise <laughs> and calling it Scoob, but it's an acronym, and it will be the first entry in a Hanna Barbera shared universe. <laughs> And, and then, meanwhile, the the kids that just ran over someone look at him and go, "What?" I didn't get any of that. What's a shared universe? <laughs> and so, oh, and so, okay. So this is where I get kind of. This is where it starts to fuzz out. So they're at the museum. Mm-hmm. But then they, the, the master and Lee catches up with them, right? And then the next thing I remember is they're in the TARDIS. Well, they flee on the motorcycle. Okay, yeah, they get they get away on the motorcycle again, and then they're at the TARDIS, <laughs> and the doctor gets like knocked out somehow, and <laughs> um, he's like on a slab in the in the TARDIS, and then um, the the master Eric Roberts in. He comes out, God love him, and like full on, like old school master regalia. Which um, I mean, he's just cosplaying you know, as Doctor Strange is what's going on. Like, okay, so is that is that not is that not like a, a famous like master costume? No, it's no, it's kind oh. of like oh, um, what the Time Lords wear uh, in like their like court or whatever. Okay. With the crazy See, oh, collars yeah, like, and the, the yeah, like the Timothy Dalton kind of outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
Oh, God. Imagine Timothy Dalton as the master in this. Dude. <laughs> Mr. Skinner. Oh, God. That would have been so good. Um, No, but but yeah, it just... I'm the master. Because he's wearing like... The, Arrest me. I'm the master. Because he's wearing... Because he's wearing... <laughs> Because he's wearing the gloves and everything. Like, it just looks yeah. like a full-on Doctor Strange outfit. And he's got an Asian mm-hmm. assistant. Oh, no. He's just literally Doctor oh, Strange. Oh, my God. Don't you get oh, man, it? I Doctor wish... Who versus Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Man, I wish B.D. Wong was Lee. That'd be great. <sighs> um. Well, no, no, no. It's the other one. Has the master referred to Chang Li as the the Chinese boy yet? The Asian child? Um, Oh, the Asian child. Yeah, that was forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Here's the Asian child. (laughs) And so um, Grace Holloway has been uh, brainwashed by the master. And he's like, put put on the Iron Maiden on the doctor's head. And he's like, no, Grace, remember our time. Remember the tree, Grace, don't do this. And she's like, I have no free will, unlike before when I did. And uh, she puts this weird mask on the doctor that's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like half an Iron Maiden, half like that thing that Alex has to wear in Clockwork Orange. And it's like stretching his eyes open. And um, the master's like, okay, so I only had... Okay, this is what we haven't brought up yet. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie. Um, uh, so the doc... So they say early on that a Time Lord only has 13 lives. And the doctor has... I mean, the master has wasted all of them by getting killed by the doctor. And so <laughs> he... I don't think they're all out of by the doctor. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the he, suggestion is that he keeps like getting put in front of tribunals and and, and becoming goo and then right. possessing someone else. Yeah. Uh, and then he uh, he's like I'm and he's like no, don't you see, Asian boy? He's trying to steal all my lives. This is my TARDIS. And he's like I don't know. I have your stuff in a bag <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my stuff. And he's like oh, what my life has become. And then. He tries to like talk reason to because like you know Lee's going to look into the eye of harmony and uh, do the science, the sciencey science, mm-hmm. and so uh, then he like finally you know talks some sense into Lee, and Lee's like, "Wait, are you the bad guy?" And Eric <laughs> Roberts is like, "Oh Lee, oh sweet, sweet Lee," and then he snaps Lee's neck, and uh, then Grace is possessed. Yeah, Grace is possessed. And so and they then, make her look in there. Yes. Yeah. And then the the master kicks Grace. No, wait, no, he throws Grace. No, he like uh, kills Grace. He like yeah. kisses her, which is gross. Or like takes the sure. possession out of her mouth or something. So like she has right. like human eyes. So she he like forces her head. To look into the the light or whatever, and then it's super rapey, you guys. Yeah, like it's super gross and rapey. It's really gross. Um, so he like <laughs> forces her to look at this thing, and the eye of harmony opens, and the end of the world as we know it. Um, and then the doctor's like, no, and is this where the the countdown happens? Like the really terrible. Like, yeah, the the countdown to the ball dropping. Because yeah. have we mentioned that it's New Year's Eve? Because it's yeah, New yeah, Year's yeah. Eve. 
Yeah, I mean the whole the whole the whole film is like centered around like the millennium. Yeah, ni- New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine. Y two K. Y two K. You know, um, I never realized this, but Y two K stands for Year Two Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you seriously didn't know that? I guess I just never like knew it that clearly. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's literally year 2000. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's kind of like how, like, you know that NASA is space, but maybe you don't know, like, actually, like, oh, it's the National Association of Aeronautics. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's a thing. And so everyone's like, the Millennium and Will Sasso's freaking out. And it's like a weird montage of people getting ready for the Millennium as, like, this final thing is happening. And, um, Grace, like, is like, I won't do it. And Master's like, okay. And then he, like, throws Grace off of a ledge. And he's like, my boo! And he, like, <laughs> in a in a rare, like, phys- kind of physical action hero move, like, kicks the Master and, like, frees himself. And I literally don't remember what happened. <laughs> so, so, uh, Grace, uh, manages, she, like, escapes and she manages to start the TARDIS, like, one second before midnight. Uh, because the doctor told her that uh, piloting the TARDIS is like setting an alarm clock. So she's like, I know how to set alarm clocks. Guys, the TARDIS is so much more complicated than setting an alarm right? clock. Um, <laughs> it's more like it's, it takes, it's like four people trying to set a giant alarm clock. It, it's more At like it's, it's six people, right? Isn't it, isn't it six I so. pilots? I think so. Six or eight. Yeah. Yeah, it's like six or eight pilots it takes to, to, to actually – drive a TARDIS like not crazy and erratically like the doctor does by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what happens is that the TARDIS uh, enters like temporal uh, orbit and the master. So then the master throws, um, he throws grace off of uh, the ledge that they're on. They're like on a balcony and he throws her off the balcony and she dies and then the doctor and the master struggle over the the eye of harmony, and the master falls in. And the doctor tries to save him, but then the master is just like, "No, never." And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then, just like lets himself get sucked into the eye of harmony, and then the TARDIS like reappears like just before midnight, and uh, energy from the eye travels and revives Chang and Lee, uh, Chang Lee and Grace. And then the eye closes. Why those things happen, I don't know. And I don't <laughs> think there's a reason why the eye, like, I, I don't know if it's just, like, satiated because it ate the master. I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why the eye closes. But it closes. And despite there being another TARDIS there with the eye open, the eye closing in the new TARDIS apparently supersedes the other one. And so now everything's fine and yeah. then everybody gets out. Yeah. Like their plan. And- so I, I like, I, okay. So their plan as I understand it is the TARDIS won't start. So they have to jumpstart the TARDIS and then they go back in time to make sure that the eye before the eye opens and then, Fast forward in time, and then it magically fixes itself. Right? Like, I, I think. I mean, I think you're right. I just can't follow the logic. Right. That's like, but, I know time travel is like 
not real, but that's that's not how time travel works. <laughs> like, because yeah, there's no logic to it. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I have a quick question. Yeah. I haven't seen um the one I, I haven't seen the the whatever the episode is where where it's revealed that the master was like that old man. You know. Uh, with Tenet and oh yeah. Utopia. Yeah, Utopia. Yeah, like you know, kind of the beginning of like the you know John Saxon like finale arc with John yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah. And okay. Is that do they do they like bullshit their way through him falling into the Eye of Harmony, or do they just not even address the it? the way that they they address it without addressing it? Is say that the master was the master mastered his way out of the Eye of Harmony. And then the time, just in time for the Time Lords, for the Time War to start, and the Time Lords basically, uh, uh, what what is that called? Where you're called into war? What is that called? Oh, draft. Drafted. Draft. Yeah, they draft. Who drafted into the Time War? Yeah, they drafted all the Time Lords, including the Rogue Ones, and so and like the Ronnie right. and whatnot. So they brought the Master back, and they gave him a new set of regenerations. Okay. Cool. They gave him, which is kind of all he wanted. Yeah, they gave him a new set of regeneration so long as he worked for them during the Time War. And then he, uh, surprise, surprise, like, got out of there and then hid as um, the uh, old man master in Utopia and hid hid all of his Time Lordiness into the watch, you know, so that Mm -hmm. the Time Lords couldn't find him to draft him again. Okay. That's why he cool. was in hiding. So so basically he took their deal and then reneged on the deal, essentially. <laughs> and, got, sure. and got out of there. Yeah, I, I, I feel kind of bad for the master, because like his 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 big want, you know, and like and the doctor says like he wasted all of his lives. I I want mine. Yeah. Mine. <laughs> mine. And like it's there it's just weird mine. because <laughs> God, it began on Scarrow and my friends and it's just weird because like he just gets more lives in in time of the Doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know, it, it's kind of like a bunch of Dragon Ball Z characters like fighting over who gets to fly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like he's gonna get the power of flight, and I'm like, bitch, everyone can fly in like a year. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's true, uh, and also which is kind of which is fine, and like I kind of I kind of hit this kind of realization about Doctor Who. Well, we're not we're not done. So like you know, so Master's Master's dead, and it's New Year's Eve, and everyone's happy, and you know the plot, you know the, the script brings Lee and and Grace back to life, mm-hmm. and um, the Doctor gives Lee the the gold that. Or the diamonds yeah. that he was that he was promised by the master. So the and the, and and Lee's just like, "What are you serious?" And the doctor's just like, "Yeah, what the hell am I going to do with them?" And he's like, "All right," and then he like runs away. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's this really weird moment where he's like, "Oh, and Lee, remember, don't be here a year from now." Finger on nose, and Lee's like, "Oh, right, don't be here a year from now. I got you." That I. I think of a moment of a, of, a, of a okay. This movie has a lot of like weird moments I could do without, but I think that's the one that more than any other moment I wish wasn't here because 
it, I don't get it. It's so poorly executed that yeah, you don't get it because because yeah. it's poorly executed. All he's saying, I think, is he's suggesting that so, if he's in San Francisco a year from now, something's going to happen in in San Francisco, and and maybe he'll get hurt or yeah. whatever. But the way that it sounds, it's like this all knowing thing, including. Lee, for some reason, would know what he's talking about. Yeah. Okay. And, and, yeah. And, and it, that's and not like him. Could you imagine? It, oh, my God. Could you imagine if instead of San Francisco, this took place in New York shut and he up. said that? That would be so scary and creepy. How scary? That would be terrifying. Can you imagine if – I mean, like, uh, yeah, I imagine it was like, oh, and Lee. Like, yeah, doctor. <laughs> September 11, 2000. <laughs> oh, my God. Really specific. The storms of the east will come to the west and they will rise. The oh, <laughs> doctor, you scamp. And he, like, leaves. Remember, Lee? Jet fuel doesn't <laughs> melt steel beams. Jeez. <laughs> what? Oh my God. Diana the flower of whale. No. <laughs> a great typhoon will sweep the Cayman Islands. And, <laughs> and so, so lead leaves leaves the 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 party and indeed the franchise and uh, <laughs> leaves um, the doctor and Grace Holloway. You know to kind of say goodbye and he's like, "You want to come with me on the TARDIS?" And Grace is like, "We both know that this isn't gonna happen." for any of us and he's like yeah i guess you're right and uh he's like well back at it and so he uh gets into his tardis and flies directly into an eternity of audio serials mm-hmm. never to be seen again uh until 2014 when he dies and turns into dude john Hurt. Yeah, it's true and then he uh he settles back into his chair he picks up the time machine by hg wells and starts to play that song and uh, we fade out on the TARDIS as the record begins to skip. And he says, oh, no, not again. <laughs> Good one. Good uh, one, Doctor. Yeah, it's – it's. Um, I think it's – look, I'm not complaining that Grace isn't his companion. But it's sure. weird – if this was meant to be a backdoor pilot, it's weird that you don't establish a companion. Unless the plan was that he would have a new companion every episode. Uh, yeah, I, I guess they were. I guess they just wanted to keep their options open. I can imagine yeah. where it's like, well, just in case we don't want to bring this actress back, you know. But then you know, the easiest thing is like he can just pop back in whenever and be like, "Grace, I need your help." Yeah, right. it's your kid's Grace. Something's got to be done about your kid. He's going to move <laughs> to the Orange County. He's going to get in a fight. <laughs> Grace, remember what I I told Lee not to be here in a year? Well, he didn't listen. So we have to go to Chino. (laughs) Your son becomes best friends with a cute Jew. (laughs) Southport. Southport. (laughs) And then Peter Gallagher comes out and goes, I I bet I can handle this. (laughs) Oh, man. Sandy Cohen would be the greatest companion. Be pretty, uh, yeah, yeah, into it. So, I, 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 I had a lot of fun with this, and it. I can definitely imagine why you know if if I were to see this as a kid, like like you did, Scott, you know, it probably would because it's 
it's it's just it's fun and it's a goofy and it's like really hammy but at the end of the day like it's interesting that you said that they were this whole this whole this whole garbage fire that's this lovable garbage fire was started because you know they wanted Doctor Who to be more like Star Trek the Next Generation but and and you know as we're about to rewind the clock back to to Hartnell the the thing that I'm starting to to realize about this show is that Doctor Who was never supposed to be Star Trek. You know, Star Trek is kind of like this smart, cerebral, slow, thought-provoking thing that like, you know, asks questions about, you know, who are we and race and 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 gender and politics and you know, and using science fiction as a as a, as a mirror to society. And and Doctor Who is is a children's show. It's it's for kids. Mm-hmm. And the best time to be a Doctor Who fan is when you're a child. And the adults that watch it watch it because it it's it's fun and it's goofy and it's innocent. And I'm definitely not saying that the show hasn't or shouldn't delve into more serious territory, but I think I'm starting to appreciate the show for what it is, and it is inherently silly and light and fun and in in it's kind of something that's been weighing on me a lot these past couple of weeks because i'm 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 starting to look around at our culture and see that nothing is really for kids anymore like batman and superman are, are murderers now and like daredevil is like bashing people's heads in with a billy club and like and kids i'm 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 sad for them kind of because like i feel like our culture has become saturated with grown-ups wanting their toys to speak to them when they're grown-ups when toys aren't supposed to speak to grown-ups they're supposed to speak to kids Mm -hmm. and and so watching this and imagining like a young scott and you know, and, and you know, it, it, it's not, you know, this thing ain't, you know, Finding Nemo, you know, it's not a classic. But the fact that this could have introduced people like like Scott and or a generation to this, this franchise is really cool. And I think the best thing to come out of this is that it this whole thing had just one hell of a doctor that in this, you know, hour and a half of, you know, garbage kind of, you know, was able to really strike a chord with people and we wanted him back so much that we, you know, we made, they made like a whole <laughs> subgenre of the show just for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And I think it really speaks to his in- integrity and talent. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, we, we still want, we, we, we would still be down for Paul McGann to show up on the show again, you know? Oh, oh yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I want to, I, I remember there was, a rumor going around after night after the reception of night of the doctor and how everyone loved it. I remember there was that rumor going around where the BBC was toying with the idea of doing like a six episode, like eight doctor mini series. Yeah. Um, to give like Capaldi or, or to, to fill in the gap between like Matt Smith and, and Capaldi. Yeah. yeah. No, that's... that would have been so amazing. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It didn't <laughs> so it's so yeah. There's plenty of campy moments, and it 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 does it does truly fall apart in Act Three. But there's just too much fun 
to be had for this to be dismissed from the canon entirely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. physician, heal thyself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I uh, I always have fun with this. Always. Yeah. Um, and it's it's look, it's not very good, but it's really fun. And like you said, it's like, definitely something I would recommend all Whovians like seek out and watch. Mm-hmm. And it's it yeah it, it it has you know one of the best doctors we've ever had. Um, it 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 has. I think like one of the coolest TARDISes we've ever had. And, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's like to, and to me, you know, it's kind of just like this magical thing. Like, and I know that it's not good, but it's, it, it gives me the same warm and fuzzies as like hook gives me warm and fuzzies, even though hook is not a good movie. Like I still love it. Yeah. You know, or like for someone like, like someone like my age, I guess like Halloween town. I or, love that movie. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Sure. And it's it yeah, also, and it so it came out during a time where like Fox was making a lot of TV, like backdoor pilot TV movies, and I loved all of them. Uh, they did a Monsters version with um, the uh, the grandpa from uh, Gilmore Girls as Herman Monster. Huh. Um, they did a yeah, so they did a hermit. They did a monsters TV movie, and then they did a Generation X. They did like an X Men movie, uh, backdoor pilot TV movie. Oh Generation yeah, Generation X. X. Yeah, um, and like I loved that when it was on, but then you know I watched that, and I was like, that doesn't that doesn't even hold up to the extent that this does. Um, that one was uh, oof, yikes. But uh, yeah, but I, I loved all that stuff when I was a kid. I remember, I remember my dad taped this and the Generation X one, and I, they were on the same VHS, and I watched them all the time, like just watched them over and over again because I just I loved I loved them, and I I loved the magic of this because the one thing that I'll say about this is like yeah, at, with my writer brain on, I look at this and I'm like, are you kidding me? You're gonna set up. Daleks, the Master, the TARDIS, Regeneration. Like, you're going to set up all of these concepts in one episode? I mean, that's the thing that they did right with Eccleston is, like, they took a whole season and introduced basically all of his, like, most important things. Like, what is the most important things about Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, he has a Mm -hmm. companion – he goes on a different adventure every episode. The Daleks are his main villain and he regenerates. And they they establish all of those things over the course of 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. And then – but here they just threw it all in a bag, shook it, and then threw the bag at your face. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it wasn't well done. But as a kid – having all of those ideas thrown at my face was like a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Because as a kid, you and as a kid, I remember liking feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. Like that was kind of what got me hooked on like Lord of the Rings was like, there was so much stuff. Yeah. You know? And I remember as a kid watching Dr. Who and feeling like I, I discovered like a portal to a whole nother world that I knew nothing about. Yeah. And, 
you know, and finding out about the Daleks and the Time War and, you know, the Ronnie and all this stuff that sounds way cooler than it actually is. But it's it's like the ideas are almost better than like the execution of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a show that is 100% run on like pure imagination and yeah. And so it's, it's, it, it's impossible to hate. Like it really, it really is the, the, the this movie. Yeah. I mean, cause like I didn't start watching Dr. Who until I was, Oh God, I think I was like 18 or 19. So like 2008, 2009. Um, Whoa, that's really weird that I started watching the show before you yeah. did. Because um, I, like, I had no, like, I grew up on Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. And I I had no, like, frame of reference for it. So, like, my first exposure to the show was uh, Eccleston. Um, and then starting to delve into the classic stuff more, like, watching this movie after seeing all of, you know, Eccleston and Tennant had been done almost at that point. Um, and like, I, I like camp up to a point. Um, and sure. So like watching this as like a 20 year old for the first time, like I, mm-hmm. I had no patience for it. Like, cause I'd seen like maybe a handful of classic who, and then like all of them, the new who, and then like this, and I'm just like, uh, okay. But the thing that I really loved about it, and like even more so this time was Paul McGann. Um, and like his performance for me is what kind of holds it all together. Like it's not mm-hmm. it's not great, but it's it's the glue that they really needed. Um Yeah, I, I guess the really I guess the worst part about this is seeing how good he is and knowing that this is the only time we'll ever see yeah. him yep unless you want to watch him die like, <laughs> yeah like and like which, which you know, i have you to know. admit i have to admit like i still remember the day that they that that episode dropped and no one knew what it was and i i remember watching it and i don't know i think i Cassandra, did I tell you, like, get off the internet until you can watch Night of the Doctor? Wasn't that? Yeah, you were like, you need to watch this now. If you can't watch it, like, go into your hobo bunker and, like, disconnect from the internet until you can watch it. Yeah, (laughs) because I remember, like, I literally, I was, like, watching it, and I was like, what the hell does this have to do with Doctor Who? And then... When he shows up, and I forget what his first line in Night of the Doctor is, but he says something, and it was like instant, my like instant welling up, like instant, because yeah. I was like, oh my god, it's Palm again, like because <laughs> you just never thought you would ever see him again. Yeah, because doesn't he have like, yeah. doesn't he he speak he speaks off screen and then he walks into frame and it's just like, oh my god. Yeah, because – and the thing is, the great thing about him speaking off screen is that I knew his voice yeah. more than I know him. Right. Like I don't – yeah. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of nature documentaries to like help me chill out and I was watching this random thing and the narrator starts talking and I'm like, <laughs> 
is that Paul McCann? And like <laughs> within five minutes of like not having any context for this, like it, it was totally Paul McGann. And so like, like I, like my concept of him, like as a doctor and like as an actor too, is just like his voice work. So mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool how like, you know, he does, he does the, the line off camera and then like steps back into like Canon pretty much. Right. Off screen, so off screen, he says, so what happens is the girl, the pilot, that her spaceship is crashing or whatever, Mm -hmm. she's calling for a distress call and the distress beacon thing is saying like, uh, like, do you need, do you need medical assistance? And she's like, he's like, no, I don't need a doctor. And then off screen you hear, I'm a doctor. And then it zooms over and he goes, but probably not the one you were expecting. And I just lost my mind (laughs) i don't even think i don't even think i finished watching it Cass. i'm pretty sure as soon as that happened i paused freaked out and then immediately like texted you or dm'd you or whatever to tell to warn you like before i even finished it because i was like uh don't ruin this for Cass. (laughs) (laughs) but and it's yeah and that's such a gift to, that's such a kind thing to do to the fan. It'd be, it would be like if Dash Rendar showed up in like Rogue One, right? You know what I mean? Right. Totally. It'd be like, or like if if like suddenly like Ashoka was mentioned Ooh, yeah. in like in like Force Awakens. Yeah, it's like it's a it's such a cool little like thank you. Totally. You know what? It, I I think I think I think Paul McGann is is the people's doctor. He's the fans' <laughs> doctor. Yeah, he might be. I don't know. I I just I love Paul McGann so much, and I think he is like like he's the doctor that's in my heart. I think, mm-hmm. and it's because he was the first doctor, you know, that I that was ever like my doctor. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. his face was the first face that you ever saw. Well, technically, it was Sylvester McCoy, but he didn't talk, <laughs> so I didn't really get to right. know him very he gets well. Shot and- <laughs> I do uh, I, I I do want to make a point to point out that the doctor is in America for five seconds and is immediately gunned down <laughs> by an Asian street gang. to be fair. <laughs> That's the most American thing I've ever, <laughs> I've ever heard. What happened? Oh, the doctor. What, what was America like? I got shot. <laughs> I died. Sounds about right. <laughs> Do they make a joke about that in the, uh, the, the moon landing one where they're in the white house? Like I went to America once, <laughs> yeah. like, once, I feel like I that's think they do. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I think they might. I don't know, but Matt's like a, like a like a group of Asian like schoolboys walk oh past, and then Matt's like, wait, 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 let them all pass. <laughs> Doctor, what's wrong? Just shut the fuck up. Shut up. Maybe, I, you know, I've always, I've always said, like, it's really weird that the doctor has never had an Asian companion, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly it makes a lot of sense. Oh, no. I would... He just has, like, a weird, it, it's like, it's not, it's not even based in hate, it's just like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like just a, it's in his, it's in his thing now, he just has, like, a reaction. Yeah. Who are you? Put that down. What? What's going on? Stop. Where'd you come from? Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it's weird that, like, the Master has only ever had Asian companions, though. Like, there's this one, and then yeah. there's, like, another... There's, like, a Pertwee story. I think it's, like... 
I think it's Mind of Evil where that like random like kung fu chick from China is like there. And, right. Yeah. The yeah. The, uh, the James Bond episode. Yeah. 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 So. But I I would kill to see uh, Melissa Gomez in the uh, the Doctor Strange Master uniform. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, God. Uh, yeah. So uh, love Palm again. Uh, so so much. If I ever, I really want to. I really want him to be like the voice of like a car or like a or like a or like a Jarvis. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it'd be so comforting. Yeah, like, he would be like really good at that. Like he, he has that. Yeah, he definitely has that voice. That's really good. Huh. Turn right on the Salle. Yeah, your destination. He, will he kind of has like you know. It's weird because he has like a like an optimistic. Uh, uh, timber. It's an optimistic timber, but it's it's like he's um, like it's got like an Alan Rickman thing. Yeah, where it it's deep, but it's warm. It's like it's like hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Alan Rickman has that thing where his no- voice sounds like naturally like ironic and detached and a little depressed. Yeah, but then when he says something genuine, it's like the most heartwarming thing in the world. Yeah, but I was just like, I was like. Yeah, I don't know. Paul again, man. He's it's good. It's good. I like Paul again. Um, yeah, so I'm excited uh, when we when we come to Paul again next. Uh, we will be tackling his first audio adventure. Uh, with... What year was that, uh, Maiden? Let me look it up. It's called Storm Morning. Oh yeah, um, with Charlie. Storm. Yeah, with Charlie Pollard. I love Charlie. Um, his first companion. So does he, when he's dying, 2001, okay. Yeah. So when he, when he... Um, it was only five so years like, after the television movie. That's really not that long. No. No. Yeah. Interesting. So when he, when he uh, is regenerating and that part where he's like name checking all of his companions, so is, is Grace like the first one? No, he doesn't even mention Grace. He doesn't mention Grace. No, Grace isn't a companion. It was. Think about how long he is around. Because, because there, there's. I mean, there's an argument to be made that Paul McGann's doctor is the doctor for the longest amount of time. Um, sure. And I guess like second to Matt Smith, I guess because of like Moffaty stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so well, well Moffat cheats. Yeah. Right. Um. So I'd still say Paul McGinn might be the longest doctor, like, in continuity. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he had one a one-off adventure right when he was born, you know? Yeah. With, with yeah. her. Like, yeah, he mentions – I think if I'm I, – let me – actually, let me go back to Night of the Doctor and I can probably <laughs> tell you exactly which ones it's, he says. It's Charlie and then uh, Sriz? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know he definitely says Sriz. Yeah. Um, let me see. Um, and then uh, what's her name? Some of his past companions. Lucy. Lucy. Um, he definitely says Lucy. Let me see here. Where is it? Lee. <laughs> it's going to be – there's going to be a reference. Let me – I'm just going to control F Lucy. There we go. Uh, he says Charlie, Chris, Lucy, Tamsin, Molly. Oh, and uh, those are his. 
Those are, Chris is like barely a companion. Yeah. It's I don't. I'm not familiar with the last two. Tamsin is. Uh, I I believe Tamsin is from. Is like the person who follows up Lucy. Oh um, okay. I think. Let me see here. Tamsin. Oh no 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 no. Oh, that's weird that he mentioned her, huh? I forgot about her. Okay, I, I, I'll, I can tell you. I don't want to spoil it for Nick, okay? Because uh, we will get to her. Um, but, but she, she's during the Lucy Miller era. Oh, um, she's cool. like a companion that he has. I always personally thought that Scott Pilgrim should have ended up with Lucy Miller. Self <laughs> five. Um, Lucy Miller is like the greatest that companion of all time. Just for me. um. And then uh, Molly is from the Big Eyes, uh, or the yeah Big Eyes, right? Isn't that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Big Eyes, Brown Eyes. What is it? Dark Eyes, Dark Eyes. Yeah, that's the that's the the series that follows up uh, the Lucy Miller it, like seasons. Oh, interesting. Uh, it, they're they're called it's called Dark Do- Doctor Who Dark Eyes, and then there's like Dark Eyes one, Dark Eyes two, Dark Eyes three, Dark Eyes four, and each one is a trilogy. And they all star Molly. Hmm. Um, and then since then, he's had another series that's like that. That's like sequelized like that. And there's another companion. And then now they just announced that the follow-up to that is going to be called Doctor Who The Time War, which is going to be the beginnings of the Time War leading up to Night of the Doctor. Interesting. So, Well, I'm looking forward to uh, understanding 100% of that. <laughs> You are going to love it, my friend. Love it. I'm I'm excited. You know what? <laughs> Physician. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So so yeah, I'm excited uh, to be tackling those. But yeah, that'll be the last time that we talk about live action. Uh, live action. Uh, Paul McGann until like a million years from now when we might eventually talk about Night of the Doctor. But. Um, that'll be, uh, that'll be a long way from now. Um, but we will be talking about a lot of really, really great audio adventures between now and then. Mm -hmm. But next week, next week we get to start talking about the ninth doctor for a very short amount of time. (laughs) I'm excited. I've seen this one before. I I understood that reference. (laughs) Um, so, so next week we're going to be tackling Rose the very first ninth doctor story, um, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, so yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, to talk about Rose. Yay!